This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Uh, if y'all would, uh, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 13 this morning? We'll read from chapter 13 of Matthew. We'll read the first 23 verses. So 1 through 23 of chapter 13 in Matthew. Would y'all stand? Can you find it? Verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprung up because they did not, they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the, and the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground 
is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your word, for the reading of your word. And Lord, now we pray uh, for your blessing upon it. Lord, enable us to do the very thing that we're talking about, that you're talking about in this passage, to hear and understand and be changed. By your truth. We ask that you make it so. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Whether... Um, Two things here, kind of introductory. Whether or not we hear the Word of God is all important. All important. And secondly, how we hear the Word of God is all important. Um I hope to uh, hope to make that clear what I'm what I'm referring to um, in this message. Um, in fact, I'm going to borrow uh, as a title, and this is of course the passage we just read on the the parable of the sower, or some say the parable of the sower and the seed. Um, but uh, I'm going to you know it's kind of a sermon title. I'm going to borrow from. Uh, Luke's account in Luke chapter 8, 18. And, and by the way, this, this is the parallel accounts are in Mark 4 and Luke 8. You know, the same, same parable, uh, different gospel authors. And Luke says in Luke 8, 18, Therefore, take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. Here, and that's that's I, I would say pretty well. That those are the words of Jesus. That pretty well sums up um, what he's talking about uh, in this passage before us. How we hear, if we hear, and how we hear, all important. Um, we were talking in Sunday school about the the Christian life and how it is to be lived. The kind of mentality that we're to have, and the question was, was raised uh, concerning the specific things we were talking about. The, the question was raised, um, where are these things being done? Who's doing this? I'm, not, I'm looking around and I'm not seeing this done. Well, the, the question is, the important thing is really not whether anybody else is doing it or not. The important thing is, are we doing it? Number one, is the Lord commanding it? And number two, are we doing it? And that is built into these, to this parable here. Jesus is telling me what is to be done, how truth is to be heard and received and lived. 
And it doesn't matter if not one other human being on the face of the earth is doing it. Or as a church, it doesn't matter if there's not another church on the face of the earth doing it. The question is, is are we doing it? Are we receiving it as truth? Are we believing it? Take heed how you hear. Now, this is a parable, as I, as I mentioned, which doesn't mean that it's any less true. But it does mean that Jesus is giving a, a, a story. He's, he's, he's relating something in narrative uh, form, using things that are very familiar to the, to the people of that day and culture. And uh, he's using those natural, physical things to communicate a spiritual um, meaning, message. Um, somewhat veiled, yes, but um, there are no hidden codes, okay? So any, anytime you, you come across this kind of material today that talks about hidden codes in the Bible and this and that, um, it's, it, it, it's, it's hogwash. I mean, we, we could waste our time. Um, well, let me just say it in the reverse. We have plenty in, in what is revealed plainly and clearly. We've got plenty here to spend our time on. <laughs> without looking for hidden codes. Jesus is very clear. The Scripture is very clear in what is required of us. But He does very often communicate those truths in story form or in proverb form of something this nature. And, and by the way, the, the term parable can take on a variety of meanings, so it's not always referring to a, a, uh, something of this nature. Sometimes it is just a, a proverb. Um, But again, it, it, it is a means for us to examine ourselves. I want to read a, a quote here um, by J.C. Ryle, who was a bishop of Liverpool a little over 100 years ago. Let me get on the right page here. Just a, just a brief quote. It is a parable of universal application. And this is what I was kind of talking about a moment ago. The things it relates are continually going on in every congregation wherever the gospel is preached. The four kinds of hearts are what we're going to call this morning the four kinds of hearers, which it does refer to the, the, the hearts of the individuals involved. The four kinds of hearts which it describes are to be found in every assembly which hears the word of God. These factors should make us read the parable very carefully. We should say to ourselves as we read it, this concerns me. My heart is seen in this parable. I too am here. Now, that's, that's a very good way to start out thinking about it. Uh, we're going to look at a, a parable here concerning four types of hearers. And you and I are represented here. That is, we fall into one of these four categories. As, as individuals, we fall into one of these four categories that Jesus lists here. And let me say up front, and I'll make this uh, uh, clear as we go, but there's, there's only one here that represents true Christianity. Only one. So if Ryle is correct, as I also suspect, um, 
uh, then what he's saying is in every congregation you've got probably a mixture of saved and lost people because in every congregation you've got people represented by one of these four categories. So what, what are they? The parable of the sower uh, and the seed. Let's go to the first one. We're going to start in verse 3. Four types of hearers. Then he spoke many things to them. That is, Jesus spoke to the people. And uh, back in, chapter, in verse 1, rather, uh, he says this is on the same day. All the things we've been discussing here in the, in the uh, previous weeks, the last couple of weeks, uh, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the, the uh, healing of the blind uh, and deaf, uh, blind and mute man, it was also the demon was cast out. All of these things um, on the same day is what some have called the busy day. <laughs> Not that it was necessarily more busy than uh, other days Jesus had. It's just that we know more about it than we do other days that, uh, that he had. But this is the busy day, the same day. Verse 3, he spoke many things to them in parables, saying. Now, what I want to do tonight, just give you a heads up here. This morning, I want to deal exclusively with the parable. So we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 9. And then we're going to jump over and look at verses uh, 18 through 23. And then what I want to do tonight, and I may make mention of the other verses, but we're not going to spend a lot of time there. So what I want to do tonight is go back and talk about those Verses in the middle there. Now, the reason I'm doing that is because in verses 1 through 9, or, or really 3 through 9, Jesus gives the parable of the sower. And then in verses 18 through 23, he gives the exposition of it. Now, I told you before, uh, ex- expositional uh, preaching is, is uh, what I, I make an attempt at every time I'm up here, uh, unless I tell you otherwise. Uh, and I think it's, it's the best method. Um, this is exactly what Jesus is doing here. So, so pay attention this morning because it's, it's not going to so much be me expounding. Jesus, in verses 18 through 23, is going to expound the parable for us himself. He's going to tell us what it means himself. All right, so verse, verse, um, verse 3 again. Uh, oh, I should say one other thing in relation to what I said a moment ago. Um, verse 3, look at that word, behold. Very often used by the Lord. And literally it means to see. Like, look, look. And, and he is about to paint a picture with words. You know, a sower goes out to, uh, to sow. He, that is, he's scattering seed. In fact, it's very possible that maybe he sees a farmer in the distance. That may be why he, he's using this illustration. And so, so if that's the case, his audience, you know, he might be saying, look, a sower, and, and the audience goes o- looks over that way and they see this farmer out scattering seed. But at least, even if that's not the case, he's painting a mental picture. So he wants you to, to see with your mind's eye. To see, understand, perceive, look. And then he says in verse 9, immediately following the parable, he who has ears to hear let him hear. So he's, he's saying, if you've got ears to hear, listen, hear, hear what is being said, the truth that is being communicated. And then, uh, as I read a moment ago in Luke 8:18, 8, take heed how you hear. So th- those are some very sobering um, exhortations 
to look and listen and hear God's truth in the right way. And we'll talk more about that as we go along. So verse 3. Then He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. So here we have the first type, right? the first analogy, the first hearer. And it's the hardened hearer, represented here by uh, the, the path on the side of the, of the field, of the road. You know, they would, the path where they would walk along. And so the, the dirt there is trampled down and it's hardened. So as the farmer is out scattering seed, and that's literally what, what the word means there, he went out to sow, verse 3. He's, he's scattering. And as he sowed, as he scattered seed, verse 4, some fell by the wayside. That is, it fell out on the path, that hardened place. That's the hardened hearer. And Jesus describes it this way. Verse 18, again He says, Hear, therefore, hear. Hear the parable of the sower. Verse 19, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside, or... On the path. Now here's the first hearer, the hardened hearer, and Jesus says, Here's here's what it means. And the sower goes out, sow, and he scatters some, some goes over on the path. Well, what does that represent? Jesus says it represents a person who hears the word of the kingdom. That is the gospel, and does not understand it. What happens? The wicked one, that is Satan. Represented by the, by the birds in the parable. Uh, look back in verse 4 for just a moment. And the birds came and devoured them. That is, devoured the seed. Now that's the wicked one. That's Satan, Jesus says. The wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So, the sower goes out to sow. He sows seed, and the seed represents what? The, the Word, right? The Word of the Kingdom, Jesus calls it here. The Word of God, the Gospel, the Gospel message. The sower goes out to sow and, and sow seed, and the seed represents the Gospel. It represents the Word of the Kingdom. Now, the hardened hearer, that is rep, the one represented by the path, the wayside path, is the person who, who hears with the physical ears, but, it, but he doesn't understand. And so Satan comes, snatches it away. Snatches away what was sown in his heart. It, it, it just doesn't, that is the truth, the truth just doesn't penetrate the surface. It's, it's so hardened, the, the path has been walked on, trampled on, it's not like the, the ground over here that's tilled up, that's prepared, that's ready. So seed falls there, and it's too hard. The seed cannot penetrate the topsoil, the surface of the path. And Jesus is saying that's what it's like. 
um, when a person hears but doesn't understand. Satan comes, it never, it never breaks the surface. Satan comes immediately and snatches the word away. Now, here, here's one of the things that I think is very sobering about this, and that is in, in terms of application. I think that person, whoever falls into that category, could, could run the gamut from somebody who is just totally, blatantly opposed to the gospel to somebody who expresses consent but is never genuinely converted. So, in other words, obviously we would say that a person who is just, you know, they hear the, they hear the Word and they say, oh, that's, that's just fairy tale, that's not true, I don't believe it, I don't accept it, I reject it. We would immediately recognize that person is probably falling into this category, right? We'd say that's definitely some, somebody Jesus is describing as the wayside hearer. Somehow they were exposed to the gospel. You know, maybe they came to church one day and they heard the word, or maybe they heard a co-worker talking about the gospel. It was just sort of indirect and they were exposed to it, but they reject it out of hand. They don't believe it. And that's certainly true, I would say. I would say that certainly applies to that kind of person. But I think the, the main thing Jesus is pointing out here is that it never breaks the surface. It never goes deep. They never really get understanding. So, in other words, it could also apply to the very religious, like we've seen in, in this uh, previous chapter and others as well. Those, those who profess allegiance to the truth, Profess allegiance to God's Word. But there's no real inward conversion. There's no real inner work of God's Holy Spirit. So there's no change. There's no fruit in their life. That's the wayside hearer. The hardened hearer. The truth doesn't get below the surface. They're characterized by the fact that they have no understanding. Genuine. Now, now look, you, you think, just like we talked about again last week, you think about the Pharisees and the scribes, and to the other people there, they appeared to have understanding. But in reality, they did not. Or you can think about the examples Jesus gave us in Matthew 7. When they came and said, Lord, Lord, haven't we cast out demons in Your name? Haven't we done miracles in Your name? Many mighty works in your name. They had the profession. They had all the surface stuff down. But Jesus said, I will say to them in that day, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. The truth never penetrated the surface of the heart. There was no real Conversion, no radical change. And the second one is the shallow hearer. And you're going to obviously see some similarities in, in these and some overlap. He's just pointing out some, uh, some, uh, some distinctions. But again, the shallow hearer. Verse 5. Some, that is some seed, fell on stony places. 
where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. So here it's, it's, it's like it just kind of barely breaks the surface. Appears to take root and it appears to have life and springs up for a time. But it's temporary. These are those characterized by temporary fate. The seed, that is the Word of God, scattered by the sower. And the seed falls on stony ground. There's not much earth there. So, so it's all what is going on. Again, it's all surface stuff. Never goes deep. Not much earth. But there is certainly the appearance of life. In fact, he says immediately they sprang up. But, verse 6, when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. So, the hardened hearer, the first category, there's no understanding. Here, Jesus says, they wither away because there's no, there's no root. The, the truth, it's, it's like they understand, at least in the beginning, for a period of time, but the truth never really takes root. So again, there's no radical, that is to the root, there's no radical conversion. It's an appearance of life, but no true life. Now look over at verse 20. Here's Jesus' exposition of that part. But he who received the seed on stony, stony places, this is he who hears the Word and immediately receives it with joy. So you've got this positive response. Yet, verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the Word, immediately he stumbles. That is, he's, he's scandalized. He falls. Interesting, isn't it? The seed falls on the stony places. What happens? Immediately, this person receives it with joy. That is, receives the Word of God with joy. There is apparent conversion. And I probably uh, always, if not, uh, at least almost always, if not always, characterized by uh, outward emotion and that sort of thing, which, which is great as long as it's real. <laughs> uh, again, I want to read a, a quote here on this section because I think it's very instructive. Quote, this again is J.C. Ryle, Feelings, no doubt... Now, think about, you know, the springing up immediately, receiving the Word with joy. Ryle says, Feelings, no doubt, fill a most important role in our personal Christianity. Without them, there can be no saving religion. Hope and joy and peace and love and fear are things which must be felt if they really exist. But it must never be forgotten that there are religious affections which are spurious 
and false and spring from nothing better than animal excitement. It is quite possible to feel great pleasure or deep alarm under the preaching of the gospel and yet to be utterly destitute of the grace of God. The tears of some hearers of sermons and the extravagant delight of others are no certain sign of conversion. We may be warm admirers of favorite preachers and yet remain nothing better than rocky ground hearers. We should be content with nothing less than a deep, humbling, self-mortifying work of the Holy Spirit and a uniting of hearts with Christ. One more time on that last part. We should be content with nothing less than a deep, humbling, self-mortifying work of the Holy Spirit and a uniting of hearts with Christ. That's true religion. That's biblical salvation. The shallow hearers were, uh, just like the term uh, we're using, implies their whole experience is shallow. It doesn't, it doesn't go deep. There's a lot of religious talk. Again, perhaps a lot of emotion. Perhaps a lot of great testimony. But the truth never sinks deep and really takes hold in their lives so that their life is changed. And so it's, 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 it's a great display for a time. They receive the Word, the truth, with joy. But their faith is temporary and it is unable to endure persecution that comes because of the Word. They don't. Endure. They have no root. And so, the sun of persecution arises and they are scorched, offended, scandalized, and they wither away. Or the way Jesus says it in verse 21, they have no root, but He endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the Word, immediately He stumbles. That's the stony ground hearer, the shallow hearer. And the third one is the distracted hearer. Verse 7. Back to the analogy, back to the parable. Verse 7, And some fell among thorns, that is, some seed, the Word of God. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Now, I need to point out one difference here um, because of uh, the translation I'm reading from. I'm reading from the New King James Version here. In verse 5, uh, concerning the seed that fell on stony places, it says, it sprang up immediately. Immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. And in verse 7, it says, of the seed that fell upon thorns, that it sprang up. Same phrase, and choked them. But it's not the same word in, in the Greek, and it carries a different meaning. The verse 5 is just like it's translated here, sprang up, just sprung up immediately. Um, but here it's, it's the idea of rising, or in fact, some translations say grew up. So it's, it's the more uh, natural looks. You know, the seed is planted, 
and it, not an immediate springing up, but it, but it grew. Again, it looks, like, it looks like it has taken root, gives the appearance of taking root and having life, and it, and it grows like it's supposed to do, right? Some, some fell among thorns and sprang up, grew up. That is, the thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 22, Jesus gives His explanation. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the Word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the Word and he becomes unfruitful. Now, this is largely what we've been talking about for weeks in our Sunday school class, and that is the danger of a, of a cultural Christianity, of redefining Christianity in terms that we like better than what we have revealed to us here. Redefining Christianity in such a way that it, it, it is you know, more fitting for us, that it is more like us, that Christ Himself is more like us. Redefining Christianity in such a way that it gives approval to our lifestyle, to our affections, the things that we set our affections on, to our desires, so that we can, at least in our thinking, so that we can live among the thorns, embrace the things of this world, and still have life. And I think what Jesus is obviously saying here, as well as in other places, is that's an impossibility. To embrace the world, to embrace self, to refuse to take up your cross and follow Him, means death. It may come slowly, but death is sure. You cannot, Jesus said, serve God and mammon. It, it again is it's it's a sobering warning. The distracted here. Again, this morning in Sunday school, we talked about the, the the need for us as Christians to have a wartime lifestyle, a wartime mentality, because we're engaged in a spiritual battle. And not a physical thing. You know, sometimes, especially nowadays with all the political correctness, when you start talking about war and doing battle, everybody gets nervous. You know, these guys, are. next thing you know, they're going to go out and buy weapons and, uh, you know, uh, try to force everybody to be a Christian. No, that's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about spiritual battle. We're talking about uh, fighting against spiritual strongholds. Like Paul talks about in Corinthians, which are uh, ungodly mindsets, bringing them down, bringing every thought into captivity, to obedience to Jesus Christ. It's, it's what we confront on the outside of us, and frankly, it's what we confront on the inside of us. We, we have to be committed to bringing down strongholds in the name of Jesus. That's the kind of battle and warfare we're talking about here. And Paul says to Timothy, a good soldier that warreth, the old King James says, in other words, if he's a good soldier that's engaged in warfare, 
engaged in the battle. A good soldier that warreth does not entangle himself with the cares of this world. That's what Jesus is saying here, just in different words. You, you cannot entangle yourself in the cares of this world and the thorns of this world and expect to live. They will choke you. And this is the same word, incidentally, that Jesus used in reference to the swine when He, when he cast out uh, the, the legion of demons out of the demoniac. And remember the, uh, the uh, legion asked for permission to enter into the herd of swine, and Jesus allowed them to go. And the demons entered into a herd of swine, and they ran violently down a steep place and off into the sea and drowned. And it's the same word that He uses here for choked. They strangled in the water. And Jesus is saying, that's, that's what will happen to you. If you are ensnared by the cares of this world. In fact, listen to the way He describes it. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Riches. Riches are so deceitful. That sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? I mean, because you say, well, you know, riches, riches are nothing. It's, they're inanimate. They're, they, don't, they don't have any way to lie or cheat you. No, that's not the problem. The problem is on the inside of us and how we view them. That's how the deceit works. And so, we desire, like we talked about this morning, safety, security, satisfaction in this life, in this world. And we pursue it to the point that we just entangle ourselves with the very thorns that will choke the life out of us so that we can have it here. I'm going... Here now to pursue these things, to pursue self-satisfaction, to pursue comfort in this world, to pursue safety. And all of that is nothing more than just being self-serving, pursuing the lust, that is the desires of the flesh. It's a great way for us to examine ourselves. And again, I want to emphasize, not to examine somebody else or some other church, but to examine ourselves. A great way is to ask, I can, for example, how does my life differ from the, law, from the lost people that I know? How does my life differ in terms of the things that I pursue? Where do I spend my money? Where do I spend my time? Where do I put my energy? Is it the same places that these people who do not know Christ put their time, money, energy? Or is there, is there a radical contrast? Do I really see where the invasion of God's grace has had an impact on my life so much so that my life is radically different from that of the world. Well, again, back to the parable and Jesus' exposition of it. What Jesus is saying is here, I think, frankly, is that it's certain death. Spiritually speaking, it's the same thing we saw this morning in Matthew 10 in Sunday school. Whoever 
saves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus says, will save it. So he that received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. I want you to notice how Jesus, how Jesus says this manifests. In other words, how do we know the life's been choked out of him? Because there's no fruit. Now, this is what I was referring to earlier. The three that we've looked at so far, the hardened hearer or the, the wayside hearer, the stony ground hearer that we call the shallow hearer, and now the, the distracted hearer where the seed falls among thorns, none of these bear fruit. None of the three. Now, the first two gave uh, some appearance, or the latter two, rather, gave some appearance of life. The first one didn't even give that. The seed was stolen away immediately. Truth, truth was snatched out of their mind immediately. Now, they may have been living a very uh, religious life. They may be going to church every Sunday. They may be uh, faithful in Sunday school. They may be attending all the prayer meetings. But they don't know Christ. The truth has not penetrated their heart. But the latter two, there's even uh, apparent outward evidence. Stony ground, temporary faith springs up. Very exciting. Everybody says, wow! Another name is written down in heaven. And there's rejoicing, and they're right in the middle of it. Rejoicing as well. For a time. And then they depart. A sad scriptural example of that is Demas. Now think about being a companion of Paul on his missionary journeys. That was Demas. Demas is mentioned positively twice before he left Christ for the world. Colossians 4.14 Paul says, Luke, the beloved physician, that's the author of the Gospel of Luke and of Acts, that he's referring to there. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So in Colossians 4, Demas is traveling with Paul preaching the gospel. Philippian, or Philemon, rather, Philemon 1.24, Paul refers to him as a fellow laborer, a fellow worker, along with Mark, the author of the gospel of Mark. And Luke is mentioned again there as well. Philemon 1.24. Demas, my fellow laborer. And then the sad ending is exposed in 2 Timothy 4.10. Which we know as, chronologically, it's the last epistle that Paul wrote. And here's what Paul says about the beloved Demas, his fellow laborer. Second Timothy 4.10, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas was there for a while and then gone. Choked out by the cares of this world. 
So the first three represent false. Either no conversion, like with the wayside here, or false conversion. And even as I said earlier, you can even have the false conversion fit into the wayside here. So the first, first three represent either no conversion or false conversion. In other words, they're not talking about saved people. When Jesus talks about the wayside here, the rocky ground here, the distracted here where the seed fell among thorns, He's talking about people who are ultimately lost. The truth never sunk deep into the heart and took root. And they never bore fruit. But now, there's the fourth one. Verse 8. Here's the fourth type of hearer, and I hope that everybody in this room falls into this category. But others fell, verse 8, but others fell on good ground. Now, see, that's a contrast. He's saying everything he's mentioned previous to that is bad ground. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Now, notice what the difference is. What's the difference? There's, there's real life here because there's fruit here. Yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, everybody's fruit is not going to look exactly the same. Every Christian will be productive, but not to the same degree. Sometimes we look at famous preachers or famous, you know, well-known missionary organizations or, or maybe just somebody we know in our own family or circle of friends that we highly esteem. And we look at them and think, wow, look at what they have accomplished. And rightly so. I mean, a lot of times, rightly so. And we kind of think, boy, I wish, wish I could do all that. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's fruit is it's not going to look the same and it's not going to be to the same degree. The important thing is not that you bear the same kind of fruit and the same amount of fruit that you know the person on the pew next to you does. That's not the important thing. Or the same kind and amount that Billy Graham does or somebody like that. That's not important. The important thing is just that you bear fruit. The Lord will take care of the way in which that manifests, the kind and the extent, you know, the degree. So this is the good ground hearer. The seed fell on good ground, yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now look at verse 23. Here's Jesus' explanation. He who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the Word and understands it. Remember what we said with the first one? They didn't understand. They never broke the surface. And to an extent, you could say that about all three previous types of ground or hearers. But here's the contrast. The good ground hearer hears the Word. Now, so far, they've all had that in common. 
But now the good ground hearer understands. Who, and here's the second difference, who indeed, and notice how Jesus emphasizes this, indeed bears fruit and produces. Remember what I said a moment ago? Every Christian will produce. They just produce differently. And he goes on to say that. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, he didn't create you to be Billy Graham. He didn't create me to be Billy Graham. (laughs) Frankly, I'm somewhat relieved. Everybody's fruit and the measure of it is going to be different. God designs that. But He does say they will all produce. So here's, here again is the distinction between the first three and, and number four. The good ground here understands. They didn't understand. And the good ground here bears fruit and produces. Now, in closing, the question for us is, which category am I in? And that's the question we should all be asking. Which category am I in? And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. We, we, we can't look around at everybody else and say, well, what I'll do is compare my life to them. What I'll do is compare our church to that church. And I think we look pretty good. And that's not what Jesus is calling for us to do. He's, he's saying, hear, hear the Word. Hear the truth. This is the objective standard. Not first church. Or last church. Or anywhere in between. Or the greatest Christian evangelist in history. Or whatever. They're not the standard. This is the standard. So this is what we look by. Hear, hear the Word. This is what we go to. Hear the Word. Let him who has ears to hear... Hear and take heed how you hear. Now, as so many times is the case, and one other example that just comes to mind is John 3, Jesus will state something as being true sometimes and doesn't necessarily... Other than he's saying here, uh, he does say in this passage in, in uh, Luke 8, here, here, and here, you have ears to hear, here. But still, he just pretty much states this is the way it is. It's like when he's talking to Nicodemus in John 3 about the new birth. And you, you, you're kind of waiting, you're kind of expecting Jesus to say now, Nicodemus, I've, I've shared all this with you. I've told you how it is. Uh, now, go get born again. He doesn't do that. In fact, just the opposite. He, he makes it clear that you couldn't do that if you wanted to. The wind blows where it wills, Jesus said. You don't know where it came from, where it's going. And he said that's the way it is with a person who's born again. In other words, the Holy Spirit, just it's, it's up to Him. It's His work. He blows where He wills. And Jesus states it just matter-of-factly. That's how it is, Nicodemus. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. But to be born again, that's the work of God.
But having said that, now Jesus does essentially the same thing here. But having said that, does He tell Nicodemus those truths to, in some way, to, you know, to torment him, like to dangle it out here and say, here, here it is, but you can't do anything. Or do, you, or do you think, logically, that he's giving that information to Nicodemus so that Nicodemus can do some self-examination and say, is, is that me he's talking about? Has the, has the wind blown on me? Do I have the new life or do I just have the outward show? Nicodemus was a Pharisee, remember? Am I the good ground? My, my point is this. Who makes the good ground? God does. God makes the good ground. Nobody can do that. And yet, He's saying these things for a reason. And he's, and he's saying, take heed how you hear. Listen, here's four kinds of hearers. It's so that we will consider which one am I. And heed his warning to be careful how we hear. Am I the hardened wayside hearer? Am I the shallow, stony ground hearer? Am I the distracted? Growing up with thorns, strangled by the cares of this world hearer? None of which have true life. Or am I the good ground hearer? who hears, understands, and produces fruit. Only one of those represents a saved person. And that's the good ground hearer. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Would you stand, please? This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.